God, we want to thank you for your presence. We want to thank you that you were with us. We want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you that you've already spoken to us this morning. Um, and God, we just open our hearts right now to, to listen to what you say to us specifically this morning. Maybe things that we need to do to act on the word that you highlight for us, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So this meant to um, a Christian radio channel in the car over the holidays. Um, and you know, they do like these mini little two-minute teaching, preaching, whatever you want to call it. And, um, and this, this guy kind of came on and, and was talking about how Mary and Joseph were living in the will of the Father. And even though they were living in the will of the Father, they went through a really difficult time. And it really got me thinking about how we can, in the natural, perceive good seasons as those where we must be living in God's will. You know, everything is perfect, work is good, I feel excited about being in the presence of God, and it's just blessing and blessing, I'm definitely living in the will of the Father um, in those seasons. And let's be honest, we can probably be a little bit less, yes, I'm living in the will of the Father when such rubbish. When life is tough, let's be honest, we probably won't be delighting in the fact that we're living in the will of the Father. Um, you know, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, and it, we, we need to discern that. And I was really struck by this phrase, living in the will of the Father. What does that phrase actually mean to us? And how do we outwork that? Is it something that we pop on to an end of a conversation of, I'll see you next, next Sunday, or oh, God willing, you know, or is it, is it something that we truly live our lives by? God's will, His will, it is perfect plan for all of creation, and that includes us. You know, God has a plan and a purpose for our lives, a plan to bless us. He has a plan to prosper us. He gives us hope, peace, and strength to be all that he has called us to be. And he gives us everything that we need to succeed, but he never, he never promises us that it will always be easy. He doesn't promise us that. In Matthew 10, 28 to 30, he tells us this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. He doesn't tell us to come to him, and he'll make the difficult situation disappear. He tells us to come to him and he will equip us with what we need to overcome the situations that we are facing. You know, if we're weary, it tells us, doesn't it? He'll give us rest. If we're finding things too much, he says he'll take that heaviness off and away from us if we simply just come to him. You know, back to Mary and Joseph. We know the story. You know, we pull it out every December, and I find it fascinating that such a pivotal point of the whole gospel, we only pull out once a year, let's be honest about it. Um, we know the story, um, but actually I want us to consider what happened to these two with a little bit of a different lens this morning. And when angel came and told both Mary and Joseph, separate occasions, what God wanted them to do. 
Okay, you know when you're sitting there and you're kind of thinking, God, just tell me what to do. Mary and Joseph can't bear food yet. An angel, an angel literally came and said to them, do this. I'm like, God, come on. Can I just have one of those moments where you tell me what to do rather than you feel like you're scrabbling around in the dark? What an amazing moment. It was obviously a life-changing experience. And they were both living in the will of a father. You know, but that didn't mean that it was easy. And we know that it wasn't easy. Firstly, they were married. So Mary and Joseph weren't married. That would have caused so much stress and so many issues within the community, wouldn't it? To the, to the extent that Joseph was like, oh, I can't marry her. I'm not going to do it. That's when the angel came and met with him. So they agreed, right, they were going to do this together. They were going to go through it. They were going to listen to God. Then Caesar Augustus uh, wanted to take a, a census. So thank you, Google Maps. They had to walk 31 hours. That's how long it took from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Probably more because it would have not been a proper road at all times, would they? On a donkey. We don't know exact timing. But Mary was extremely pregnant, walking 31 hours. You know, I remember, especially with Lisa, being absolutely massive. Those of you that remember that, I was like huge in May and I still had two months to go. And walking, I can remember having to walk up the, I was still trying to be a hero, and walk up the stairs in King's House. And I can remember Richard just looking at me saying, take the lift. And I was like, but Mary didn't have that as an option. She had to walk right on a donkey. I'm not sure it should have been more comfortable for 31 hours. And when they get there, we know there's no room at the inn, there's no hotel, there's no Airbnbs, nowhere for Mary to give birth. Not sure she would have been smiling and being like, yes, I'm living in the will of a father. This is awesome. And I know I wouldn't have been, that's for sure. And then we know, obviously, you know, they get visited by lots of different people, and it's all good. But then Jesus is around about two. And then the angel appears to Joseph and tells him, you need to start up King Herod's come and kill your son. Okay, so that's only four things, and we know there's more, and there's more, and there's more. And let's be honest with ourselves. How many of us would have given up if this was us? Never mind the two separate encounters with angels who gave you specific instructions from God. You know, those two plus years, they've been hard. They've been really hard. How many of us would have turned to God and said, seriously, seriously, God, you've asked me to listen to you, listen to you, asked me to obey you, and I've done it all. But there's always something coming after me. And you know, this is a real physical point for us. Because you were walking in the will of the Father, there is an enemy out there doing everything that he can to stop you. And I think we don't really talk about that, do we? We don't talk about that much at all. You know, the devil's just saying, no, this is serious, this is in the Bible, this is what happens, this is what happens to Jesus, and we're going to look at that um, later on. Because you were walking in the will of the Father, there is an enemy out there doing everything that he can to stop you, to knock you off course, to distract you, to undermine you, to prevent you from completing and accomplishing the wonderful plan that God has for you. 
you know, we've seen this happen all the way through the Bible, don't we, with so many amazing people of faith. Why? Because they are reality. Um, uh, sorry, because this is their reality, and this is our reality too. Walking in the will of the Father does not make things easy. Because when we listen and obey God, there is an enemy trying to stop us. But I love best in the Word of God. They're always the best, aren't they? God has given us everything we need to stay on track. All we have to do is come to Him. And that sounds really, really easy. I think quite a lot of us might actually struggle with that. Just come, and I think that's what, you know, in, in what James has said this morning, and in what Alyssa painted, in, in what has come out so worth it. You just say, just come to me. Just come to me. You know, a few weeks ago, James talked about how we need to remember that we have been found by Jesus, and therefore we have found our place. Yet we still have a responsibility to keep searching, keep rediscovering Jesus and his kingdom. Um, I took a list to see the Lion King um, at the Palace Theatre yesterday. Um, I've seen it before. I'm sure the majority of us know the story of the Lion King. And I was really struck, again, um, bearing in mind what we've been talking about with, you know, seeking God and knowing who he is and, and, and then discovering who we are in him. That is the message of the Lion King. You know, Simba loses his dad at a young age and he runs away from his destiny because he's scared. He does a runner and he, he has a good life with his friends, Moan and Pumba. You know, all is well until his past catches up with him. His past catches up to him and he realises, actually, I'm not being who I've been called to be. I am a king, and I'm running away from my responsibilities. I'm running away from who my father has said that I am. And he recognizes in that moment that he needs to go back. He needs to face his fear, and that he needs to be the authority that he should have been in the situation. And because he ran away, his homeland was left to die. So even though there was fruit where he was, where he should have been, was falling apart. And it really struck me, really struck me, that even though there might be fruit where I am, maybe the place where I'm supposed to be is dying, and I need to do something about that. I need to make sure that I'm working in the will of the Father. For those of us who are married, I want us just to think back to that first time you maybe met your spouse. If you're not married, maybe think about a really, really close friend who you know really well, okay, who knows you really well. And it's a very similar principle. There's a sense of excitement, isn't there, when, you, when you're searching them out, you're learning about them, you're discovering them, simply getting to know them. And this is the same with Jesus, especially that first encounter or experience with him. You know, but it doesn't end there, just a one-off encounter. It doesn't end there, you know, with, with your spouse. You know, remember 30 years ago, that first time encounter wasn't that wonderful and you walk away and live separate lives. That's not how marriage or friendship works. In our relationship in, as friends, as, um, as a married couple, it grows, doesn't it? It develops. 
Now, we might not necessarily have the same butterflies in the stomach kind of, ooh, excitement. Maybe sometimes we do, and that's great. Okay? But there's something more. There's something deep-rooted. There's an understanding and a comfortableness, not in a bad way. It's okay to be comfortable at times. But we still need to be intentional. We still need to make an effort and show up in our relationships to our husband and wife or to our friends. And if we have to do that in the natural, then oh my goodness, we need to do that with God. We have to be intentional with searching Him out. We have to be intentional in really rediscovering Jesus and His kingdom. You can ask us a question. I just want us to take a minute just to really think this through. How passionate is your current love for Jesus? Do you feel his tug in your heart drawing you deeper in your walk with him? I'll just say that again. How passionate is your current love for Jesus? Do you feel his tug in your heart drawing you deeper in your walk with him? Just going to give us just a little bit of time to consider that. To understand and know the will of the Father for our lives means we need to know his voice. We need to listen to his voice. And we need to understand that even, even in those hard times, he walks that path with us. But we have to seek him out. We have to be intentional in our response towards him. The God who sent his son to die for you will not hide his face from you. He longs for us to seek him out, to find him. And just like it says in Psalm 27, verse 4, to dwell in his house all the days of our lives. I'm just going to spend some time looking at um, Matthew 4, verses 1 to 11. So if you've got your Bibles, um, if you turn there, I'm going to read the whole 11 verses and then um, pull out some things. So this is when Jesus is tested in the wilderness. It's a story the majority of us would know. And let's read this together. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and sat him on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, and that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came 
and attended him. So what did Jesus do when he was living in the will of the Father, but the enemy tried to distract him? Verse 2 tells us how Jesus was fasting. We see throughout the Bible how in tough times, when searching God out, when desiring to be closer to God, his people would fast. If you feel like you need more from God, maybe you're feeling distant or wanting more answers, more, more specific answers, maybe he's calling you into a season of fasting. You know, I'm not saying, you know, 40 days fast now, everybody. You know, just be, just discern what God is saying to you. It might be that he's calling you to fast for a day. It might be that he's calling you to fast once a day for a few weeks just to see what he can do and how he can move in your life. You know, he may be calling you into a season of fasting of wholeheartedly being dependent on him. So he is your focus and central to all that you are and all that you do. So being intentional about seeking him out in those moments of fasting. Verse 3 to 4 says this. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. I love, I love this portion of Scripture. Because every time the enemy says something, Jesus is just like, Ah, no, but it says this. And then the enemy comes back and says, Ah, no, but it says this. End of the day, Jesus knows his Bible. He knows the scripture. He knows the word of God. We need to know the God breathed word of God. You know, it isn't there as a quick box exercise. It's a weapon that fills us up. It edifies us. And when the whispers of the enemy attempt to take us away from the will of God, the depths of us, within the very depths of us, the truth of God, the truth of the word of God, we pull on it, we draw on it, and we smash down the lies of the enemy with the truth and the word of God. Someone recently um, told me how they've been challenged to pray in ways that they, they don't usually pray. Now, you think about maybe how you pray. You know, I know I'm, I, I come kind of maybe with worship music on in the background, or I start off by speaking in tongues, and I'll, I'll worship God, and I'll do this, and then I'll pray, and I'll maybe read my Bible and read and pray back something from there. Um, but this person was uh, was kind of challenged to pray in ways you don't usually pray. But then that meant coming silently before God and just being in silence, reflecting on different things um, and being silent. And I've been really challenged by this, and it really made me think about how I approach reading my Bible. I don't want reading my Bible to simply become routine. I want to put myself in a position where every time I pick up my Bible, I expect to get some new revelation. I expect to be excited in this kind of sense of, oh, God, what are you going to say to me today? You know, what, what new things are you going to reveal to me about your word, about who you are, about my relationship, about your kingdom? You no matter how many times I've read that chapter or that verse, so, you know, have you read all of, all of your Bible? Someone asked me once, and I was like, yes. And they're like, why do you need to do it again? Well, I need it in here. I need it in here. 
I need to be able to draw from the Word of God so when the lies of the enemy come uh, running after me, I will knock him out of the park with the truth and the power of the Word of God. So think about how you read your Bible. Do you journal? Do you sit and you write anything that God reveals to you? You know, you all, you've got these um, amazing art. I wish I could do it, but I'm not arty enough. Have you seen the kind of art journaling that people do? I know Kath's done it in the past. Um, but, you know, it could be, you could get a separate Bible for your art journaling, for the, the Bible that you really study. Be creative. If you're creative, use your creativity for God to speak to when you actually read your Bible. Now, write down anything that God reveals to you. You read out loud. There's power in reading. I love reading out loud. I absolutely love it. I read out loud all the time if I could, but I think uh, I think I drive uh, everybody else <laughs> But reading out loud is really powerful because you don't just hear it in your head; you hear it with your ears as well. And there's something powerful in here actually hearing the word of God. Um, do you analyse words or phrases? There might be kind of, this is English speaks only coming out now, isn't it? But there might be words that jump out to you and you kind of think, oh, I wonder what that actually means. What does that represent? What does that symbolize? And you really kind of chew over kind of the heart of the meaning of a particular word. Do you speed read? Sometimes I speed read. You know, I just kind of get through chapters and I think, right, what's going to, what's going to kind of jump out at me? Do you sit and meditate on a particular verse, doing it over and over? All of these are really good ways to approach the Bible, and there'll be more. You know, audio, I know a lot of us now kind of uh, listen to the Word of God as well. The change in the way we read our Bible ensures that it isn't just routine. It's saying to the Holy Spirit that we want to see things from His perspective, that we want to change things up. Because we don't just want to come to God's Word because we should. We come because we love to learn. We love to seek God out. And we come because we're excited to find Him and fall in love with Him. Verse 5 to 7 says, um, says don't test God. I won't reread it for the sake of time. Don't test God. Brilliant. How on earth would I even test God? I'm not going to jump off a mountain and see if he saves me. We test God every time we blur the lines, those grey areas in our lives. Maybe the things we watch on TV, online, the games we play, the conversations we have, when we put our will before his. When we do things our way, we're testing him then. He will always love us always, always love us. He will always, always be there waiting for us to seek him out. But if we choose to blur those lines, if we choose to ignore him in certain areas of our lives, and we're testing him, even unintentionally, our connection with God is so, so important. Being connected with him ensures that we don't test him. That we are walking in his will, knowing, listening, and obeying his voice. Verse 8 to 10 says this, And again the devil took him to a very high mountain 
and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. So I don't know if any of you have heard of Stacey Solomon. So she's done, she's a celeb, so she's done a lot of different things in her life, but she's currently known a lot on social media for this thing called Cat and Tidy, okay? So she's big into organising things, and there'll be a picture of a kind of, you know, a mess of a cupboard, and you click on Instagram, and it says, tap, and then you see, oh, it's all been organised, and it's all wonderful and beautiful. And she currently has a new series of the show, Sort Your Life Out. Um, and it's on BBC One, where her and her team basically go into people's homes that are absolutely full of stuff. Um, they will move everything to a warehouse, and the families have to decide what they're going to keep, what they're going to donate, and what they're going to throw away. It's really time-consuming, and it's really emotional, and we're just going to watch a little bit of a trailer. A tidy house means a tidy mind. There's madness here. I need some help. So once these families empty their entire home, Welcome to your house. Will they be able to clear the clutter? And go from chaos to calm. We've upcycled our babies. Wow. In just seven days. I can't even tell you how much I love this. We smashed it. Join Stacey Solomon and team as they sort your life out. Starts Thursday the 4th of November on BBC One and iPlayer. don't mind having this. So apparently the new season starting this week. I've never seen it. Okay, I've never seen it. But um, I do. I do love a bit of organisation. Anybody who knows me will know that. Um, I love. I do. I love having organisation in my life. The look of those kitchen cupboards. You know, everything is all labelled. You appreciate that, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, at this time of year, we can often have a bit of a clear out, can't we? Like New Year, you've had a load of new stuff for Christmas, and you're like, where is am I going to put this stuff? And you're like, right, let's get out with the old and with the new. Um, you know, there might be that kind of sense of finally going to throw away that old toy that's been broken for years. Um, and, you know, think of it, have a box of wires in their house, just in case. Could it drive anybody else crazy? Pardon? One box. Oh, it's just nothing. It's like the biggest box of wires that hasn't been touched in about 10 years. Yes, Catherine. She feels my pain. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, man. Oh, if only I could clear out that box, but I'm not allowed. That's one area I'm not allowed to touch as this. <laughs> but, you know, how often do we clear out our hearts? How often do we check if certain things have snuck in and made themselves at home? And how many of those things have become more important or have more priority than God? He's longing for us to seek him out. But at times we are worshipping other things. We're putting things before him. We've covered him up with other things, family, career, hobbies, we've managed to convince ourselves that all these things are good, and they are. Don't get me wrong, obviously they are good things, but not when they come before God. 
In verse 10, Jesus recognized the lies of the enemy, and instead of continuing to answer him, instead of giving him the time of day, he told him to go. Jesus responded to the devil with the truth of God, and the devil left. We don't need pressure in our lives, in the natural or in the spiritual. We don't need things distracting us from seeing God in all his beauty. I don't want to live my life half-heartedly serving God. I want to worship him with all that I am, in all things and through all things. And you know, we know that at times that is really, really hard. It can be really, really hard. But it is so very worth it. He is so worth it. Living in the will of a father, even when it's tough, it's worth it. You know, I said, uh, I said this earlier on, but I really feel this really needs to be written on our hearts. The God who sent his son to die for you will not hide his face from you. He longs for us to seek him out, to find him, and just like it says in Psalm 24, 27 verse 4, to dwell in his house all the days of our lives, because he is a faithful God. I'm just gonna, Mike's just gonna put a song on for us just to finish. Um, the lyrics will be up as well. Um, this is a song uh, from a band called I Am Day, uh, and it's called Faithful God. And just as we listen, you know, if you if you wanna change your position, please feel free to do so. But just think about what we spoke about this morning. Search your heart. Is there any pressure in there that you need to get rid of? You know, is there anything that we need to put to the side instead of and say, God, you are first. You are first in all things. Michael, come out on for us. Amen. Amen.